0: Right now, we're watching ourselves. We're watching on ourselves YouTube, on the computer. This is
1: crazy. Can you tell us if you can hear us though, if anybody is watching now since we just restarted it? So,
0: starting over because we were also struggling with hashtag struggles. But you know what? This is actually I'm actually really glad that this struggling is happening in this moment. Because, because. tell me. <laughs> Because, so um, I'm going to start over, so we're on episode two of Life with Lee and Lindsay, this is our podcast. Um, We are really coming in and just want to share our lives with you guys and uh, from a perspective of a mom, of sisters, of best friends, as um, biracial women, professional women, just really kind of coming in and, and sharing our experiences and connecting with you guys and hopefully helping you feel not so alone in this world of craziness as a woman. And so um, tonight, uh, like I said, we're talking about imposter syndrome. So we're talking about that feeling like you're a fraud, that feeling like, you know, everybody's gonna find out that you're not really qualified to do the thing that it is that you're doing so whether that's being a mom you know like everyone's gonna find out that you feed your kids cereal two nights a week when you get tired or peanut butter and jelly yeah which everybody does we eat a lot
1: of peanut butter I just made peanut
0: butter and jellies for lunches tomorrow first day of school so oh um, yeah I know first okay hold on we're pausing for a moment (laughs) not talking about imposter syndrome but just simply just enjoying I know y'all will feel me out there As I do this little dance that my kids are going to school (laughs) tomorrow, full time,
1: all day. So for all of you parents out there, whose kids are starting school tomorrow. Yes, we're going to clink our wine glasses for you. you. We're toasting to you. Okay. May tomorrow be a better day than the past couple of months. Months. Yeah, months. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: So, um... We're really, there's five types of imposter syndrome that we really want to get into tonight. And we, and I really want to, we both want to ask some questions to each other, just really kind of getting into our personal experiences with this. Um, so
1: Lindsay, you were asking me about. Oh yeah. What's something that you have always thought that you would get better at with time, but okay. you really still are not good at.
0: So, um, I'm actually
1: glad that like we're redoing this cause I have a new thought on this.
0: So, the biggest thing is the multitasking for me. So, a lot of people, when they talk to me, they're like, oh, I don't get how you do all that you do. Mm-hmm. So, I have this air, this appearance, like I'm I'm managing things super well. And I always feel like an imposter or a fraud when people say that to me. And the reason is, is because I don't feel like I'm good at multitasking. Yeah. Um, I feel like I have 27 things up in the air between two jobs and a coaching uh, business and promoting ketones, and raising three kids, and being a wife, and being a daughter, and being
1: a sister. But like, it's okay that you're not good at doing all those things.
0: Agreed. And I understand that. As a balance coach, I 100% understand that. But by this point in my life, I thought that I would be mm, just a little bit better (laughs) at multitasking. However, something that's really exciting for me that I'm just going to share with you guys is um, I actually am on Monday undergoing testing for
1: ADD so no don't tell Dave don't tell my (laughs) husband he's been trying to tell me for years that I have ADD and I cannot have someone else in the family diagnose with (laughs) ADD because then he's gonna have fodder here's what here's what the problem is I do not have ADD yeah I have an incredible ability to focus on things yeah I just don't think he understands how many things I'm trying to pay attention to at once. And I remember mom saying, like, mom ears. I don't know if you probably all know about mom ears. Where, like, once you're a mother, the sound of children's voices are so much easier to hear than the sounds of adult male voices. So, because he thinks... Because he's not listening... I'm not listening to him.
0: He thinks you're not paying (laughs) attention. He thinks I'm not paying attention.
1: And I'm, I'm probably not paying attention, but I cannot listen to him while also listening to kids. Well,
0: and I find that interesting because, and that actually provides a little clarification from my side, because that's not what it is for me. Like, okay. For me, it's literally like, squirrel, you know? Uh, I, I see something that distracts me, and then five minutes later, I'm like, wait, what was I doing? Well, I do that too, but the other part it's of that is sleep deprivation. Yes, and so that's the interesting piece for me as well, because um, I also work night shifts. Yeah. So I work one, I would say I work about five nights, sh- four to five night shifts a month. And I, um, and those shifts can be anywhere from 13 to 19 hours. So sometimes I can lay down and sleep. it's a really long time. I know. It's a very long time. So sometimes I can lay down and sleep. And even if I do, I might get woken up five, 10 minutes in. I think the longest stretch of sleep I've had is three hours once. And I woke up and was like... Did I turn off my pager? Is everyone alive?
1: Well, you know, being, it's not restful sleep. It's not uh,
0: restful sleep because you're because you're just laying there waiting for your pager to go off and to have to go admit a patient or to see somebody who's not doing well. So I think that that plays a part into it. But the funny thing was is so I'm I'm going into this and I'm like, man, would this really explain like why I've been struggling so much? And so they have to they make you fill out forms. And they, and not you, but you, people who know you. So they gave me a form oh, to give to my mom and dad <laughs> and they gave oh, me gosh. a form to give to my husband. And I call my mom and I say, mom, can you fill out this form for me? Cause I'm getting evaluated for ADD. And she goes, oh yeah, we know you have that. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, that's
1: great. But what do you do about it? Because well, you're so high functioning. So that's
0: the problem is that being high functioning, they say, okay, well, you know, you're so high functioning, you don't. You don't need meds but i'm like you mean i could be better faster stronger greater like no i so i'm just i'm just interested to see like how much this has impacted but this comes into the first type of imposter syndrome that i wanted to talk about which is the perfectionist it's um well actually it kind of connects with two types so the perfectionist is the person who feels like they have to do everything perfectly and if they're not doing everything perfectly they're a fraud by that definition, all of us are imposters right. because nobody's perfect. I feel like perfectionism runs in our family. I think perfectionism runs in our family, but we have a different way of going about it than other people. Not everybody. Else. There are lots of people out there like us who attack it the same way, yeah. but there's lots of people who actually do the exact opposite. We so just there's, like, won't do anything. So there's some people, yes, there's some people who attack perfectionism with, okay, I know it exists and I'm going to get there. And so they just go and go and go and go and go. And, go. and a lot of yeah. times don't give themselves breaks and don't take care of themselves and don't just do the things that need to be done yeah. um, to, in order to like really have a fulfilling life. And then there's the other people that are like, well, if I can't do it perfect, I'm not going to
1: do it at all. Right. So that's actually really interesting. Two things that you said. First of all, I used to be a perfectionist. And it's something that I've been like working on from a self-care perspective for the past several years but also I um, just quite frankly I have two children who don't sleep and I had to decide I call this I I we're not gonna swear on Facebook so I'm gonna have to call it my my give a you-know-what list but I (laughs) I have what's called my give a you-know-what list and so when things are going wrong I actually, in my head, rank them, okay, how far down on my give a list like, is this? Yeah. And, like, so school. Like, I love school. I'm getting my doctorate. I want to do this. But I have kids and a job and a husband and a house. And and so by the time you get to it, really, the stuff that's happening in school is, like, five or six on the list. It can't be.
0: And it's not that you're not giving it your full attention. It's not that you're not giving it, it – you're not giving – I shouldn't say your full it's not that you're not giving it the attention it deserves, but you are prioritizing it right. at times that make sense, and so you're probably actually doing better
1: than the person yes. who is now, trying to prioritize all the things first. When I was doing my master's program, before I had kids, before I had a house, I was newly wed, I didn't have all these other commitments, my school was so high, it was probably like number one, probably even, I was a newlywed, and it was probably above my marriage, and I think that was probably a mistake at mm-hmm. the time. Although, you don't know what you're doing at the time. So, I I do, um, a part of me, like, looking back and see how had I had it maybe as number two, things would have started out a little bit better with me and my yeah. husband. But, hindsight is 20. We're, we're almost eight years in marriage, so I, we have to have done something right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, speaking of... Yeah. The other thing... The thing that I'm really bad at that I thought I would get better at over time, I cannot follow written directions. I, <laughs> and so maybe there's a little hint of maybe. I
0: think there's maybe either. I, that was actually I, one of the questions they asked. Is, and, and the funny thing is, is with recipes, like
1: I don't use them. Well, I just, I look stopped. at them, get the gist of them, yes. figure out kind of, yes. will this work? And then I do that instead. Well, and so <laughs> the reason, and, and actually that's a coping mechanism when you think yeah.
0: about it, because the likelihood that I'm going to miss a step in a recipe is really high. Uh-huh. So, um, and I like to call them like Bob Ross, happy accidents. Yeah, because totally fine. The other day. I made ribs for the family. They were excellent. Yeah, everyone loved them, but <laughs> I accidentally did brown sugar in both the rub and in the sauce, yep. but
1: everybody loved it, and so I was like, see, didn't follow the directions, it worked out. So You know, um, so, I, so I just started this new job, and part of my orientation, because I'm teaching an online course, is the college makes us do an online course that you take as a student about mm. how to teach online. Okay. And every module has assignments and it is a lot of work and I'm on module two and I probably should be on module four or five because I've had to go back and redo the (laughs) assignments so many times because I don't follow the instructions and I get to the end and get ready to post and I'm like well gotta start that one all over (laughs) I cannot I just cannot I I'm like I so I I keep like so speaking of imposter syndrome, who am I to teach an online class when I can't follow the directions for the class? And I think the reason I coped with it in school is because most of our instructors would tell us things in class and yeah. then write them down. And so I knew what I was supposed to do before I... You did it. I did it. I think I need to start... Now that I'm saying that, I think I need to start like reading the instructions aloud to myself before I start working on yeah. anything and then that way I'll at least know it's coming. Yeah. Because I swear, I read those instructions so many times and I uh, just didn't get it right.
0: Yeah, I wonder how many people that are watching or listening have the same problem. And 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 let's talk about that for a second. Mm. I think part of imposter syndrome, that feeling like a fraud, is that you're, okay, I'm not good enough, I'm not this, I'm not that. But really, a lot of us have some really great core strengths that like um, just make us who we are and yeah. that's kind of and a lot of those strengths have kind of help kind of get us to where we are from a career standpoint, from a relationship standpoint, whatever. And so what a lot of us are doing is focusing in on the weaknesses instead of looking at the strengths. However, I do have to say, I believe in focusing primarily on your strengths, but you also have to look at the weaknesses Mm -hmm. and say, okay, is this something that I can completely just like, protect like not worry about because it's not that big of a deal can I delegate it to somebody else yep. to worry about it for me so like I'm hor- so if you're horrible at answering emails can you hire somebody to answer your emails yeah. or the last thing is sometimes you really do just have to buck up and be like I have to change how I am oh, acting sure. in this situation <laughs> so like nobody can you can't I mean I guess you could hire someone to read instructions for you but like we should probably be able to do that. So
1: so let me tell you about another funny one. Um, this is a mom a mom version of imposter syndrome. A couple of weeks ago, I was getting ready for work, and Sunny's down in the basement playing in her playroom. <laughs> and she goes, Mommy, help! And I, I'm like, oh, God, what'd she do now? So I go downstairs, and she has found, like, a three-inch-long silverfish. And oh. she goes, Mommy, a bug, kill it! And I'm like, Me? <laughs> Like, I am not qualified to kill this bug. I want to run out screaming. Nope. I don't want to have anything to do with this bug. And it's so, like, it is so awful when you you are the adult in the room. You have
0: this person staring at you being like, fix it. And you're like, I don't want to fix it. I want to run. Let's go run together. Yeah, like, let's.
1: I I feel just as terrified of this bug as you do.
0: Well, but, you know, I think that those are really good opportunities for growth, right? Because
1: I... I killed the bug. It...
0: I, I killed the bug. I am proud of you for killing the bug. <laughs> I don't know if I could have killed the bug. Um, Ugh. Ugh. Here, because, in funn- funnily enough, the other day I was in the shower and Lee was in the, my husband, so my husband and I have the same name, so if we oh, yeah, can be both saying lame. Lee, I'm not talking about myself in the third person like some crazy weirdo, I'm mm-hmm. talking about my husband. So, um, we, I was in the shower, my husband was in the garage, The kids were upstairs, and I looked up, and there was a bug that was probably... Uh Uh-uh.
1: Nope. It was probably, like, three inches across with the leg. So it looked like a daddy long leg, but it was a wasp. I am cringing at the story. Oh, my gosh, (laughs) or a mosquito or something. I don't know. (laughs) I I
0: had never seen anything like this. And so I'm like, this thing's going to fall on me. When no. or fly into my hair like while I have my eyes closed no. with the conditioner, because you know black girl hair, you got to put that conditioner in, oh. leave it in for a while. I have my eyes closed for like a full three uh-huh. minutes in the shower. You can't close your eyes.
1: What if it gets you while you're is-
0: so? Thank you. So so <laughs> I literally I went and got one of my or I I hollered for one of my kids and I was like, can you please go get your father? And they were like, what do you need, mom? And I was like, tell him there is a bug in no. the shower. Mm-mm. And he comes up and he's Mm-mm. like. Are you kidding me? And I said, baby, you got to kill it. Like, I'm allow- I am am about to fall and
1: slip and break, like, like break my head open because I am freaking out. I would have just left naked conditioner. <sighs> I would have just I... put the conditioner in and left naked. You
0: know, that didn't occur to me <laughs> because I think I was in, I think I was, like, frozen, you yeah. know? So, but the funny thing is, is that afterwards, my mom, my, my daughter goes, Mom, it's just a bug. Yeah. And I was like, you know... Good for you. I'm glad that you feel that way. Yeah. For mommy, She'll be the bug that's killer. not a
1: thing. And so now so, you know you have to train her to be the bug killer. And
0: that, but that's, but that's the thing. My daughter sees me as superwoman in so many other areas. Yeah. She doesn't have to see me as the expert in bug killing. Like, yeah. daddy can be the expert in bug killing, or she can be the expert in bug killing. And it, it, it seems like a silly thing, but I think sometimes as moms, the, one of the other types of imposter syndrome. So the second one that I was going to mention is the superwoman or the superman where you feel like you have to be able to do all of the things Mm -hmm. all of the time. And you not, you don't say no to things like you don't, you do not take care of yourself. And so, and if you don't, if you do say no to something or you
1: don't do all of the things, you feel like a fraud. Do you feel like in your marriage, you, you do the superwoman and keep up with the imposter stuff? Or do you feel like that facade has been?
0: I feel like that facade (laughs) went away pretty fast. Um, And, and, you know, so my husband and I have not as unconventional of a marriage as it used to be, but my husband stayed home for seven years with our kids. So I was off being the professional, the breadwinner, which I hate that term, like, I'm sorry, but that dude did uh, worked way harder than me some yeah. days, and
1: I know shout he didn't get paid it, But yeah,
0: shout out to stay da- at home parents, stay home dads, stay at home moms. You are the
1: real MVPs. Could not especially do it, especially when your kids are not in school. Yeah.
0: So, um, school
1: you know, I great. think
0: we really from the beginning realized like, okay, I'm not Superwoman, yeah. and you're not Superman. So, right. and plus, it, I'm also going to give a shout out to any twin moms mm-hmm. or dads out there, like or multiples. If you have multiples, it becomes a all hands on deck, yeah. every, but also an every man for himself situation <laughs> because you're really like, you, you can't, you know, you have kind of delegations if, if you've talked well enough about it of like who do, does what, but if somebody misses something, you're not like, I can't believe you didn't do that because you're like, this is, we're just doing our best, yeah. you know? And so I think the twin thing really helped with the imposter syndrome because it got rid of that as a mom it got rid of that oh i can be perfect at home as a mother because i was like i got three kids two of two of whom are are, i was pumping exclusively pumping because my son was ill um my i have boy-girl twins and my son jack was really ill had had surgery had um couldn't breastfeed was on oxygen and so i'm exclusively pumping every couple hours working in school while yeah, my husband's home, getting three to four hours of sleep a night and yeah. also had, um, high blood pressure and, uh, an overactive thyroid at the time. So, you know, that. just
1: so much going on. And I really went, you know, I'm, I'm going to do my best here yeah. and that's it. That's like my, my give a, you know what, yeah. there's only so many places. There's only so many rungs.
0: <laughs> well, and somebody <laughs> said to me one time, because I was an ICU nurse at the time. Yeah, And I had a colleague say, you know, you're not an A-plus nurse right now. And that was really hard for me because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're taking care of people who are gravely ill and you want to be an A-plus nurse every single time you're coming into work. But what I knew was, is that I was a B-plus nurse at that time. I was doing the absolute best that I could, but I was surrounded by a nursing team that like, when I asked for help, they would support me, and that comes into the third imposter syndrome, which is the rugged individualist, the person who feels like when they ask for help,
1: they are a fraud. So I don't know if I ever told you this, but my boss and I had the exact same conversation about not being an A-plus nurse, and it wasn't... It wasn't exactly that, but she and I were texting one night because the baby was sick, and this was about three months after Nora was born. And I, those of you who tuned in last week, will remember that the first six months of my youngest daughter's life were just a complete mess. Like we had, we did not have it It together. It was a, a sugar show. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna say sugar every time. (laughs) It was a sugar show. We did not have it together at all, and so the baby was sick, and she was about three months old. And I texted my boss saying that I needed to take a day off, and she texted me back, and we basically had a miscommunication about vacation time or not vacation time about sick time, and how they were thinking about refining the policy for sick time. And I was one hundred percent sure she was furious with me because I had was you know leaving her high and dry for calling at the last moment, and I also was one hundred percent sure that she was asking me to like revise the policy for sick time, which apparently was not what she was asking me. But I was all crazy. So the next day I have a conversation with her and she, and I said, look, I, I love working with you guys. I just cannot add anything else to my plate right now. And she reassured me that she wasn't asking me to do that. And she also reassured me, she said, after my twins were born, cause she has three girls an older and then twins girls that are about the same ages as your kids. Bless her heart. Right. And she was working like full time as a yeah. physician and her husband's a physician. And she, she said to me, um, She's like, when my twins were born, I told my partners, like, guys, I'm going to punch the clock and I'm going to leave. And she goes, and right now, Lindsay, you just need to punch the clock. And that's okay. And when you're done punching the clock and you want to get back to doing all the other things that you yeah. do, then let me know. But in the meantime, just punch the clock. That's okay. And, and
0: I, I want to say this to you guys out there. So if you just feel like you're just getting by right now, you know, that's whether okay. you're watching us or you're listening to us, mm-hmm. it is okay for a little bit to just get by you know, resting on your laurels for a long time is not, but if you are truly at the point where you are just <laughs> trying to survive. survive, yes, then you need to really think about, okay, what are the, what's the bare minimum I need to do? And that's what I'm doing. Right. Whether and, and this goes for stay at home moms too, you know, not just working moms and, and dads and dads. Like if your kids aren't sleeping, sleep is the priority yes because there is and as nurse practitioners you know Lindsay and I both know just how important sleep is Mm -hmm. for your health and so it's so easy to be like oh well let me just stay up and clean the house or let me just stay up and do this or let me get up early and do this and I'm sorry people are gonna probably think that they're gonna be like are you serious but if I'm not working a night shift I get at least seven
1: hours of sleep every night which yeah. means I'm usually in bed for eight hours. When I was getting up at four thirty to get to work, by maybe like five thirty, six, I would try to go to bed by eight thirty or nine. So yeah. that's because if because I first of all I knew my kids were gonna wake me up at least once and so if I wanted to get sleep I had to go to bed. My kids go to bed at seven thirty. My kids are both in bed and have been for over thirty minutes yeah. because it's Getting them to bed early gets me to bed early, and that makes for a much happier mama. Well, and I think
0: this goes for, really, America right now. Yeah. This idea of you get your kids in bed, and then you stay up and relax, yeah. quote-unquote relax, by watching TV, or by, you know, just zoning out, and so you're not connecting with your partner, or your husband, or whoever, you're not, um... Doing something to take care of yourself you're not moving your body at all you're not doing some mindfulness whatever you know makes you feel good and then you're going to bed late and then you're waking up sleep-deprived and so people think well I need that time to wind down and I'm like okay so here's my suggestion like get in bed with a book and wind down with your book and just see how many nights you wake up at 2 a.m. with the light still on and the book by you. Because honestly, what's going to happen is, is that that's going to relax your mind so much faster and better than
1: the TV will or than the, looking at your phone screen will. You know what I always do? When I'm feeling anxious and I can't settle down at bedtime or I can't settle down mm-hmm. in, in general and I know I can go to sleep, I listen to this podcast called Tracks to Relax. And it's a, it's a Patreon podcast, so you actually have to subscribe if you want more than like 15 episodes. However, they are so good that I've been listening to the same 15 episodes (laughs) for like a year and I have always fallen asleep before the end. So every time I listen to one, it feels brand new because I never, I don't know how any of them end because they put me to sleep every time. Which we'll have, is really the mark of an excellent sleep podcast. So there you go, guys.
0: You can you can use this. You can use this podcast to fall asleep. Listen to women telling you that you're you cool. You're the real MVP, and you got you know you're doing all right. And yeah, it's okay if you never hear the end of these if you're using them to to go to bed. I mean, there's lots of stuff out there. I really like. Um, oh gosh, I'll have to actually. Uh, we should we'll post, I'll post them. it for yeah. you guys. We'll post them in the comments on our Facebook group or on our Facebook lives. If you want to check those out, but there's one that I use that is for meditation, dreaming, relaxation, mm-hmm. and sleep. And so, um, I'll actually use that at work. I'll put it on at work while I'm just kind of laying there. And so, even if um, you know if, if if I'm on call and I'm like, okay, I need to rest, but I'm feeling kind of amped up,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's just a nice way to like relax
1: in between all of the chaos. I have a notebook that I keep at my desk, because sometimes I like to listen to podcasts um, like in between downtime, like when I have nothing to do or when I'm just doing something that doesn't require any attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have this notebook and I write down the things that I think are particularly poignant. And then later, when I'm stressed out, I just go straight to my notebook and I open it up and I'll just read something. And my the most recent one, which I actually posted a couple days ago, um, was a quote that I... And I wish... I didn't even write down who said this, but it said, whatever happens, it is in our minds that we suffer. So, like, what? it is not... Yes. Like, life is what life is, and it's in our minds that we create suffering by dwelling us. So, and that I needed that yeah, right at that wow. moment, because let me tell you, there has been some drama this week. There was office drama. There was injury drama. We had some drama this week. Well, and
0: I, I like <laughs> that. So y'all are going to hear me talk about tony robbins all the time i am a tony robbins freak i've been to all of his events um, except for business mastery i have crewed some of his events um done some of his coaching and i love him because he says that um really suffering is the opposite of joy and we all choose suffering but we all have our favorite flavor of suffering and i actually think that the imposter syndrome is connected to that because
1: Whatever mm-hmm. your flavor
0: of suffering is, whenever you're feeling more like an imposter,
1: yep, you, you start go to there. you go
0: there. So mine is frustration and insecurity. So when when I say that, I mean almost embarrassment. So yes, so frustration that when I feel like I'm not doing something as well as I should, I say I'm frustrated. You're more. You're talking about
1: shame. And You else? feel shame. shame.
0: Oh, we got to do an episode on shame. I feel like we can't even get we into that We got to do right an episode now. on shame. But um, really just feeling like, wow, I, there were these expectations that I had set for myself or someone else had set for me, and I violated them in such a major way mm-hmm. that I just feel like I can't even move on. And and a lot of that is in my head because yeah. I'll go back and talk to people six months later and they're like, what are you talking about? Absolutely. That doesn't... You know... I'll say, oh, I said this really stupid thing. And yes. Like, what did you say? I always
1: see that meme on the internet that's like, like you're trying to go to sleep at night and then you remember that stupid thing you said 17 years ago and like, <laughs> like in middle school and you're up for the rest of the night and you just can't go to sleep.
0: Hi, Devani. Um, yeah, I just, that has always been a big thing for me. Yeah. I used to actually, when I, I've gotten a lot more secure in myself and just realized like, like, again, we're not cussing on this, but F it. <laughs> I am who I am. Um, what is that? What Popeye says? I am who I am. Like, whatever. I, I don't remember when I've watching Popeye.
1: In 20. <laughs> I am who I am.
0: Um, <laughs> 23. Five, I haven't or... either. I don't even know why that came in my head. <laughs> but really, just like being like, this is me. Yeah. This is me in all of my awkwardness and all of my mm-hmm. clumsiness and all of my. Well, and
1: I never felt comfortable just saying, this is me. And people like me. Like, it's people They're, and I like me.
0: So, you know, and let's talk about that for a second. So, I think part of imposter syndrome is, again, the, the feeling of stepping into your greatness.
1: Right. Like, the oh, feeling yeah, you uncomfortable being. Own. Yeah, like, you can't own that you're good at something. One of the things that comes into nurse training that I don't know that you get anywhere else we are sisters. We have had are. someone ask for sisters. <laughs> One of the things that you don't, that you get in nurse training that you don't necessarily get anywhere else is training on becoming, which is like, do you remember yeah. this? You have this, there's this whole phenomenon about becoming a nurse as a, I don't I know. I think like, we talk about it, it in t-
0: nursing theory, but that class is so abstract at the time that you're like,
1: oh. I don't right, know but like, I, I remember having classes on nurse becoming, which is all about like what does it mean to be a nurse? And like, you know, nurses are the most trusted professionals and they embody healing and all this stuff. And and all of that at the time was super overwhelming. And when you get out into your nursing, like as a floor nurse for the first time, as a wherever you are, I was not a floor nurse and we should talk about that because this yeah. is still an area where I sometimes feel like an imposter. Um, when you get out into your training... You, you feel like when you graduated from nursing school, you should have become the nurse. And yet, yes. there you are, and you don't with, feel it Same thing with NP yet. school, too. Same thing with NP school, same thing with teaching. Yeah. Especially when you're also a student. Like, you have to just keep switching hats between yes. teaching and student. And both of us, by the way, are doing our doctorate programs at the schools where we also teach, which is a, yes. an interesting dynamic. And I thought-
0: and at the um, organizations where we work as well, from a nurse practitioner standpoint. Right. Point.
1: Well, sort of. I don't well, work, but yeah. Most, but at the same. You hospital, go to work yeah. at the same hospital. Yeah, yeah. So, it's so it's very,
0: it's very interesting when you think about. Just. Well, so for me, the the thing I was going to say is I think that we were raised to not brag, right. and I don't mean. But I don't. I do not think our parents did that in a way
1: that was pathological yes. or anything. I don't even know that it was intentional.
0: I don't think it was intentional either. But so, like, let's just talk about this for a second. Our mother saved the government hundreds of thousands yes. of dollars. I think I don't want to quote exact numbers, but in her position at um, the VA, saved them a ton of money. Yes, and like, she says this so casually and off the cuff, like, she single-handedly fixed a broken piece of the government, which if any of you guys are following anything right now, know it's pretty hard to do. And she just says it, like, she barely even mentions it. Our father has patents for, you know,
1: for electrical engineering. This is so cool, and I found this out, like, five years ago. Our dad has a patent, or he's one of the people who worked on the patent. Yeah. Or the barcode scanners that patients wear at the hospital yeah. so they don't get mixed up with other patients. Yes. Talk about revolutionary, even though, like, no, he doesn't get any kind of dividends or whatever I mean, you Whatever. Get, but it doesn't matter. He was part of the team that did that, and that's so cool. Like, he's worked, he's helped can, um,
0: design things that help airplanes literally stay in the air, like, help yes. pilots do their jobs. Like, just amazing, amazing people, mm-hmm. but they never talked about it. Same thing with our grandfathers. Well, so they, like, it's not
1: like they were hiding it. It's just more like
0: they... No, I don't mean that they're hiding it, but I just mean they said it so casually and off the cuff that people would be like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> you know? And, and so we were taught
1: to kind of, oh, minimize things and not intentionally. And I'm not... And I Here's love... the part where I think maybe we were led astray by our parents. I love you.
0: But to mom and
1: dad. To mom and saying. dad, we love you. I feel like I never learned how to take a compliment. Like yes. at all. Like I suck at taking compliments. I also suck at taking negative feedback. <laughs> but that is different. I I just yeah. I don't like I and actually I think honestly it's that like I don't like getting feedback because it makes me feel too seen. I want to do my thing and I don't want you watching me do it. Which is
0: actually, I'm glad you (laughs) brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up because as someone who has created more of a public presence over the last three years, so as a network marketer and then now as a coach, as someone who is coming online, talking, you know, very often... At first, this was so awkward for me, and I was kind of a forced introvert simply because I was very insecure about myself, but I really am extroverted. I love to talk to people. (laughs) I love to do this kind of thing, but actually stepping into that and being like, I'm great at this. This is a thing that I love to do, and I'm going to own this, was incredibly hard, and I can still remember the first time that I was recognized by somebody that I did not know. Yeah. And they said, Oh my gosh, you're Lee. And my whole family was there. Was this at the wedding? Yes. At the wedding that we went to, my whole family was there. And I just saw my mom and my dad and my sister turn around and look, and especially my parents. And I was like, see mom and dad, like I (laughs) am doing something right here. And she was like, you've made such an, such a a difference in my life. And you know, we started keto and we're down however much weight and we just love you. And thank you so much. And it was really, really cool. But it was, But there was this piece of me because I was with my family that wanted to shrink back and be like, oh, no, I don't do that. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't own that, you know, and, and it was, it was, it was a very interesting time. My husband wasn't there. And so I ended up actually telling him about it when I got home. And he's like, he was so excited. He was so
1: excited. You know, when I talked to some of the people that I work with who watched our first podcast. Yeah. Um, they were like, "You and your sister are so amazing. You have all these degrees and these great jobs, and you're so smart." And like, and I'm like, cringing internally yeah. because I can't handle praise. So <laughs> I don't know why it's so hard. And and on the flip side of that, so
0: if any of you guys out there are teachers, yes. or have taken a oh, class recently, gosh. oh, there SCIs. is something called an SEI. It's actually called ours is called something different. So we call them Student Evaluations of Instructors, or Standard yeah. Evaluation of Instructors. And I have to tell you, as a teacher,
1: the first SDI I got, I literally bawled. The first one I got was actually as a teaching assistant at Ohio yeah. State. And I had like 60, it, this class had about 65 people in it. It's pathophysiology, which is a hard class to teach. It's actually the class I'm teaching now. Me too. High five. You are? I right yeah. farm. I teach both. Cool. Anyway, <laughs> so it's one of the classes I'm teaching now. And... It's a hard class to teach because it's one of the first classes they take. It's very high stakes; like you have to pass this if you want to go forward. And into when we the say pass, like, we're not
0: talking college pass. We're talking like eighty percent, eighty-three percent. Yeah,
1: you have to actually like you have to do well in this class in yes. order to move forward in the program. So it's a high-stakes class, and it's a ton, a ton of information in a very short period of time. Yeah. and you're trying to teach it to to people. Who are nurses and scientists and people who have a master's in fine arts and know nothing about any of this. Yeah, or so you have
0: like people who are brand new, never been in the health and science field, they've just taken yeah. a couple of prerequisites, and people who've been nurses
1: for 15 years. Well, and people who have been nurses for two years and just took pharmacology two years ago, and now or there's patho. other people, or patho, yeah. and then there's other people who have not taken a physiology course for 30 Anything. years yeah yeah so, so just a huge spread of people it's it's impossible to satisfy everyone bottom line so yeah so so my first reviews I got like 60 this class is great good job like you were really helpful yeah. blah 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 and like for like, eh, this was hard, but it was okay. And one review that I will never forget. What is it about Scabings. that one review?
0: <laughs> My first class, one review that literally had me I falling. I was tried. like, "Cried. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I, I give up. Like, I don't know why I'm doing this. And why is it that when we are, I when you know. step into a new situation like that and somebody gives you negative feedback, sometimes I think if it's that mean, it has nothing to do
1: with you. Yes. There's also this thing called the negativity bias where yes. your brain pays way more attention to the negative stuff because back in the day, the negative stuff could have eaten you. Yeah. And, now, and it makes sense. So, yes. And, yeah. But now, in our day and age, it's like... You're not going to get not You're
0: not going to get eaten by a student who's angry. Although... I mean, things happen out there that are pretty horrific, (laughs) like we've had some things happen at the university that I'm at that were pretty horrific, so you do have to be careful, but from a comment standpoint, and comment is
1: not a saber-toothed tiger, it's not going to destroy your life, however. Yeah, the thing that's hardest, like as far as imposter syndrome, I feel the most like an imposter when I have to study in order to teach a lecture,
0: Yes, because
1: I can't, like, so. I'm doing a lecture on diabetes in like two weeks and I have spent probably 20 hours preparing for this lecture because there are things that you see in practice all the time and then there are things that you see once every few years like a new type 1 diabetic. I work in surgery. If I see a new type 1 diabetic, I immediately pass the ball. Like I give him him to somebody else. We don't Primary care, you see a new type 1 diabetic, they are usually in rough shape, and you just give them to somebody Even else. Even
0: on the inpatient side, I get a type 1 diabetic, and I'm like, hashtag all endo. endocrine. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: Endoconsult endo. Right. For yeah, me, it's like, yeah. send them to the ER because they're probably about to die. Sure. Right?
0: Well, and so that actually, I love that you brought that up because it ties into the fourth type You of don't have syndrome.
1: to know everything. Expert.
0: If you feel like you have to be an expert in everything, you can't be. So this is actually what I teach my students. Mm-hmm. And I say, you know, I can't teach you in fifteen weeks how to learn how to prescribe or how to recognize every single patho pathophysiologic diagnosis that's gonna come your way. Yeah. But what I can teach you is where to find your resources. Right. And, when, and who to call. Who to call you need to know and how where to, to look them. Yes. And the other piece I tell them is this, you know, I've been doing I've been an NP now for almost six years. And I say, I say this, I am an expert now in bone marrow transplantation and multiple myeloma, lymphoma, stem cells, that type of thing. However, there are things that I don't see, and, and I'm, I am a relative expert in internal medicine because a lot of what I do is, oh, you've got cancer, but you've also got, you also just had a heart attack or you also have an infection or whatever, but I don't have to be an expert in everything. Right.
1: I just have to know enough to know when I don't know enough. Absolutely. hundred percent. If you don't know anything in this world except what you don't know, you are in good yes. shape. You're, especially when your job is taking care of human beings, whether that's as a mom, whether that's as oh, a what nurse. a good point, yeah. Your job is to keep these human beings alive. Yes. And if you don't know something... Please ask and simple mom plea. If you see another mom doing something that's not safe, it sucks to be the one to tell them that what they're doing is not safe. You don't want to piss anybody off if their Facebook photo shows the car seat straps too loose. You don't want to be the one that's nagging people about food safety and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you also we got to get that community back.
0: Yeah. You have a responsibility to say something. And here's the thing. That person might look at you and flip you off or say something super mean back. And that's fine. Maybe two weeks later, though, they're not as sleep-deprived
1: as they were that day. And
0: they're like, you know, I should probably look up what she was saying. I remember,
1: like, a few years ago. I can't remember if you said it to me or I said it to you. You said it
0: to me about the car 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 seat seat straps. She sent me a picture. I was so
1: angry. She sent me a picture of her kid in the car seat and I said, you need to move, you need to tighten those car seat straps and move the clip up onto her chest. And she was like, yeah, fine, I'll do it, whatever. And then like, and I know you were mad. Yeah. Because as a mom, it feels so personal to get that criticism. Yeah. Like, Cause oh, you're just like, trying, like, trying so
0: hard and yeah. like how, oh my gosh, there's some, one more thing that I'm not but doing. But the bottom line, that.
1: you didn't know. I
0: didn't know. And I appreciated the fact because the car seat, how they wanted people to do car seats has changed. changed between the time that I had my kids and she had hers so it wasn't like okay I don't know this it was that somebody with newer information was coming along and simply trying to inform me yeah and sometimes that's harder when it's family too oh, or someone sure. you're really friends close with, yeah because if it's someone you're really
1: close with you're like forget you like you know what, what, I, what I didn't know is, until you know? and I don't know when this started going around but the thing about the coats in yes. car seats that was not a thing it was not a My thing My kids wore a
0: coat every time they got in a car seat, and all of a sudden, they're like, oh, hey, kids can fly out of their car seats, so they're wearing their coats, and I'm like, I'm not going to drive with them anymore. <laughs> like, I'm just not going to put them in the car. It's
1: not safe. We're going to walk
0: everywhere. We're just not going to go anywhere. This is
1: one of the things that I think makes parenting so hard is that, like, our parents just didn't know anything. Like, they didn't know all of the places where danger was lurking all yeah. the time. And, like, we know so many things as moms now that we're expected to just integrate. Every time a new fact comes out, we're expected to integrate it into our lives. Yeah. And it's so hard to keep up to to make changes. Like, we're supposed to care about straws and we're supposed to care about coats in the car seat. No. Have you ever taken a coat off a child to get them in the car? It is not no. fun. And I you think do it's it,
0: actually worse when you go to put the, put coat, the coat back, back on. on. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, forget you. I do what I want. You're like, no, it's 20 degrees outside. Like, you got to put the coat and, on. And, like, when
1: you have three errands to run and you have to get them in and out of the car seats three times and then also get them in and out of their coats three times, it's, like, not even worth going. No, you're like, forget it. We don't need it. Toilet yeah. paper, we'll use. We'll use construction well, paper. Amazon, ha- hello, Amazon, Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah. If y'all don't not have, not a Amazon, sponsor. We are by not. The way.
0: We are not sponsored by <laughs> Amazon Prime. We just highly recommend them. And if you yeah. are in school, you can get a discount. So there's that. And you know, I and and just kind of like some of our um, our friends are commenting right now. Really, the rate at which information is growing, the rate at which what we know and the and what we are discovering as yeah. a world is. Occurring so much more rapidly now that it's impossible to keep up with everything. So, we were um, talking about a study that just came out in uh, the medical literature that shows that if you want to keep abreast of current medical literature as a advanced healthcare provider, you would have to read 17 to 20 articles a day. You can't absorb 17 in order to do that. And they said it's just going to get higher and higher. And so the whole thing is knowing where to go, whether you're a mom or a dad, as a parent, whether you're a professional in like another area or you're a healthcare professional, you can't know it all. And if you're going to try to know it all, that's where you're going to get in trouble because the second, I am telling you this from personal experience as a parent and as a professional, the second you feel in your bones, like you know it all, you are going to make a big mistake. Absolutely So I'm actually gonna share this with you guys and and this is something that really was a a wake up moment for me as a parent. We our son, um, when he was about two two, two and a half, I I can't even remember exactly, was in our kitchen and you know, you think about child proof caps on medications. And you all, you know, like, okay, keep meds out of reach of kids. Do this, do that. And you're like, okay, well, my kids have never done that. So, like, I'm not going to worry about this. And our son was what we called a swiper. So, I, you know, any door explorer fans out there, like, <laughs> he would, what he would do is he'd sneak up wherever he was going to. And he, he couldn't see. And he'd put his arm on a counter or put his arm on a table and swipe everything off of the counter so that he could then discover what, explore um what was up there and one at one point he knocked down my husband's sleeping pills and we had you know you're sleep deprived like you're you're parenting your two younger than stuff. two he i think was like, like one months, and a half cuz our daughter was cuz our older daughter had just turned 4 so he must have been 18 yeah. months and he we didn't it was so fast it was in the kitchen with him and i'm like looking at him and i'm like did you eat any of those and he's like uh-huh. Gosh. And I'm like, okay, so I have no idea how many of these pills this kid just took. Like, so, you know, you're you're doing all of these things. You're trying, you're calling poison control. And I, again, nurse practitioner, but not a pediatric nurse practitioner. Yeah, so you I, called
1: me, I think, too. I called
0: her. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Called poison control. And then he got really drowsy. And I was like, crap. He definitely got some of these. So took him to the hospital. His heart rate's up. He's super drowsy. Like, he's not... He's listless. I'm like, okay, so ended up in the hospital for three days with this kid while he's getting it out of his system. And I have never felt like more of a fraud as both a healthcare professional and as a parent than during that time because I had all of these people coming in and making me retell my story. And asking, are you sure it was just sleeping medication and it wasn't pain meds or it wasn't illegal drugs or it wasn't this or it wasn't that. And I just felt like all of these people who are surrounding me right now think that I am not a good mom
1: and not a good nurse. You know, the other thing that's really hard about being the nurse mom is that you feel like you should know what's wrong with your kids. But you cannot be a nurse and a mom at the same time. No, you can't. A couple months ago, Nora was up all night long screaming, like every 10 minutes. She would scream for like two or three minutes, and then she would settle down, and then she would scream for two or three minutes and settle down, and this was happening in waves all night long. And then it stopped, and it settled down for a couple hours, and then a few hours later... So I took her to urgent care, and they couldn't find anything, and they said... Oh, you know, this might be in a I'm like, intussusception. I haven't even heard of that since nursing school. Basically the bowels, like so your colon like goes in and out of itself. Like it's supposed to be like this and it keeps it's supposed going. to be like a tube and it's kinda of like it like, like, like a... I don't know if you guys remember those, those toys. retractable straws. Those, yeah, or yeah. those telescopes. So it it telescopes yeah. on itself. Um and so that happens and it happens when the bowels start moving, so it'll happen every few minutes. And they kept so they tried to catch it, they didn't catch it, they sent us home, told us to come back if it gets worse. Middle of the night, it started up again. We waited for like an hour, went to the ER, spent 11 hours in the ER. They did every test under the sun. They said, we're pretty sure this is what is happening, but we can't catch it on the film. And then it stopped and it didn't come back. Um, And I remember the whole time sitting there thinking like, I shouldn't have come here. This is stupid. This isn't what it is. I overreacted. And like you just, the point of all this is that you, we don't know what happened to her. The doctors never figured it out, the nurses never figured it out, but every mom bone in my body was screaming that something was wrong with her and it needed, I needed someone else to put eyes on her because I couldn't figure out what it was. Well, sure. And they never did and she's totally fine, but it is so hard and frustrating to watch your kids go through something and to know a lot about what's going on with them and not be able to figure out what's going on.
0: No, I, I 100% agree. I mean, and just, and also just to, just to feel like you didn't, you know, I think part of imposter syndrome too is there are times that you do not do your best mm-hmm. and thinking that that makes you a fraud is just plain wrong because there are times that all of us screw up. There are times that all of us aren't at our best and, and I, I share that moment with you guys about my son and getting hospitalized and having to talk with a social worker and a case worker, all yeah. these things where you just feel like horrible because i want you to know you know at the end of all of that the interesting thing and i wish somebody had said this to me at the beginning of all of it instead of at the end she says we see kids come in here about three to four times a week and get admitted with medication overdose whether that's Benadryl or whatever, but kids get into medications. And so we're at a major hospital, but still three to four kids a week having to get hospitalized for ingesting a medication, a parent's medication or a med that they shouldn't have available means that it happens an awful lot.
1: Yeah. Because think of all the kids that aren't getting admitted. Right, you're not in, this isn't.
0: And so this wasn't just me. It wasn't just me. It wasn't just us. It was. It was something that a lot of people were were having happening but nobody was talking about it and so i actually went on social media and shared what happened and i said this is embarrassing and i do have a little bit of shame about this but i really want to just share it in case this saves anybody else's kids and i had a couple actually several people say wow you know my son's right around the same age and i never would have thought that he could get to this stuff but you're right like i'm gonna put pills up and i'm yeah. gonna make sure of this and so this is actually really the biggest message that I think I want those of you who are listening to get from us tonight is that you're not alone
1: and that's how you fight imposter syndrome that is
0: how you fight imposter syndrome you fight imposter syndrome by recognizing you are not alone and by talking about it by sharing and and, and I think it's very helpful to go to somebody who you admire Who is a mentor for you and say you know for me someone who's been in in the teaching role for 10 years and say, hey i just got this super bad review and i'm like freaking out and she's like oh i get one of those every every year or every semester just ignore it they're really mad it's fine like like read the other ones because if they're mean they're not valuable same thing with the kids you know just recognizing how many other parents were leaving medications down cuz they didn't think that their kids could get to them it wasn't that we didn't care about our kids it wasn't that we wanted them to be endangered yeah. it was just that we you weren't thinking that that was something that could happen to you
1: you know just in general too you're never going to be a perfect parent or a perfect you're not going to be a perfect anything, anything and you can't hold on to that you can make yourself crazy.
0: You have to. You have to figure out what your good enough is.
1: Yeah, find you your have to good have, enough.
0: You have to find your good enough, and then you have to have a goal. I think that's a little bit beyond that. So, like on the really good days, you're like, man, I knocked that out. But well,
1: it, and I encourage everybody to make your your give a sugar list if you yeah. want make a list. Like, how how much do I care about this stuff? And if it's something that's just not that high on the list today, then. Let it go. There's a really, you know, kind of, because we we want to wrap this up, but in a really great book that
0: I just read recently um, by Randy Zuckerberg, which you guys probably recognize that last name. She's the sister of Mark Zuckerberg who mm-hmm. invented Facebook and, you know, along sort with a couple of, other people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not going <laughs> to not give them credit. Up. Sort of. Invented, you know, is credited with inventing Facebook. Um, she talks about pick three. So she talks about work, sleep, family, friends, and I'm um, actually – losing the other one right now but she she talks about how every day like all five of these categories in your life are important but every day like pick a couple things to categorize and just go after those and recognize that the other things are going to fall by the wayside for a little bit but if you look at the last week or the last month or the last year you have prioritized the things that are important to you but you've also got a nice healthy balance of all five
1: areas The other thing that we were going to talk about this week, and I don't think we have time to do it justice, is talking about what it's like to be a person of color mm-hmm. in white spaces. I and think also that needs to, an episode to, to all take about out. talk about what it's like to be a a woman in white spaces, yeah. and that one I think is. Um, so what's interesting is that you and I, teaching nursing, are both traditionally female spaces. Yeah. Um, although you will notice in the nursing profession, first of all, there are a lot more men coming into the nursing profession. And secondly, there are a lot more men in upper level positions within nursing. So, you know, dean and teaching. So Mm -hmm. deans and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and so although it has been a female dominated space, it, it has not necessarily been, um, power wise dominated by females. So that's something that we, you know, will, that's the cat going through the cat door.
0: Oh, I thought that was a kid waking up. No, like, oh. thank God,
1: they're sleeping. Um,
0: <laughs> well, and you know, I, so I think next week we should really get into that about occupying what it feels, these spaces. Occupying spaces where you have been taught or where you just have the feeling like you stand out in a not necessarily positive way or yeah. where your presence is noticed. Yes. more so than it would be in other areas, I yeah. would say. So if that um, strikes a chord with you guys, we'd love for you guys to tune in. And as always, leave comments on the podcast. We'd love to hear from you guys. Tell you us what it, you want to talk about. Yeah, tell us what you want us to talk about. For those of you guys who are watching... Um, sorry about
1: our sound yeah, issues. Yeah, sorry about
0: our sound issues. But you know what? If you're watching us on the replay, go ahead and um, hashtag replay. Let us know that you you caught us and yeah um leave us some comments and we'll definitely respond back so thank you again for listening and we will tune in next time bye